This is Season of Grace with your host, Patrick Grace Henry. The Word of God is coming at you with transformation power. Get ready for your grace revolution. Refresh my soul. So we've been reflecting. Two weeks ago, we talked about the fact that God doesn't treat everyone equally. Remember. God loves us equally, but treats us differently. And it should be very clear to your spirit and clear to your mind. God loves us equally, without a doubt. But God treats us differently. That is what we talked about two weeks ago. Today, it is so difficult for me to give a theme, like a theme, a topic, on my message. It's so difficult. It's just so difficult. So I decided to just come up, whatever it is, let it, let it be. <laughs> Sincerely, it's so, so round, like I don't know what to do about it. But it is reflecting. We're still reflecting on why God treats us differently and why the end of time will be different for different people. And the end will come. Whoever doubts that the end will come should find out whether his grandfather is still alive or great-grandfather is still alive. There is an end and there will be the end. There is an end to everything, every season and everybody and there will be the end, the grand finale. The grand finale of existence in this mortal realm. And so this season traditionally affords us opportunity to look at end, how they end, to do what the psychologists will call the pro, the pre-mortem. We know of post-mortem. Post-mortem, <laughs> the medicals are very close with the, to the post-mortem. Have you heard of pre-mortem? Okay, so you need to pay me a fee for me to explain pre-mortem. I, I borrow something from a man is not a Christian writer, but I have been blessed so much by his writing. Stephen R. Covid, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, one of the greatest books I've read. Um, and he was a Christian. He's now late. He's, re, he's talking about principles that cannot be broken. He talks about the end from the beginning. Isn't that what God is? Who God is? How he sees things? He looks at things, the end of things from the beginning. So Stephen Arcovi gives us opportunity to reflect on the, at the, or on the end, right from the beginning. And talks about you sitting down here. Imagine your funeral. Just imagine your funeral. Sit in the audience of the congregation attending your funeral. Imagine what the priest will say. And if you are married, imagine what your wife, in sincerity, I don't mean the lies that we agree to tell when certain people have died. A real family agreement. But 
That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about genuinely you as a husband attending your funeral by imagination and then listen to what your wife genuinely will say about you. Listen to what your sons, your daughters will say about you. Listen to what your neighbors, if you were a manager, if you were a leader, a political leader, if you were somebody, what people will genuinely say about you. I'm talking about genuinely. You may try to zone off. There are people who just feel I'm wasting their time. If you zone off, I zone into you. You will do this exercise because you will die one day. I don't care what you serve. Whatever you serve that tells you it doesn't matter. This voice will never leave you. You will hear every day it matters. So assuming you die and you attend your funeral and you were a boss and genuinely those who served under you one after another will say things about you. Like this is a man who took bits and pieces from our salary deducted everything and left nothing for us. And this is a man who had to do this is a man and your wife comes this is a man who caused me hypertension when I was only 25. <laughs> or a man saying a woman, just because I married this woman at 35, I was older than my grandfather. The stress, the pressure. Just imagine that kind of thing. What kind of funeral will you attend concerning yourself? What will people genuinely say about you? Without pretense. Any kind of pretense. That is what this kind of season, this is what this season affords us as a gift. Because the year is ending, it also means it's a reminder that your life will end here. So what is the testimony of this year about you? That's what I came. I just came to awaken your consciousness to the reality that this year has a testimony about you. This year says something because you have written your story. You have written your history. And this year is a chapter. So what is this year saying about you? In your work life. In your career life. In your ministry life. In your marital life. As a parent. As a father. As a mother. What is this life? What is this year testifying to about you? We have been talking about fruits. Let me just remind you, I will soon be done. Today's reflection is not preaching. Once you see me going into preaching, say, just raise your hand. Say, no, 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 no preaching, just reflecting. Remember, we have talked about fruits. 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 Today, we have a couple of scriptures about fruits. And today is a little bit difficult to deal with fruit. It's not a beautiful day to deal with fruit. But we'll try. Matthew chapter 21, verse 19. If you read from verse 18, I don't know. I think verse 18 may help us. Matthew chapter 21, and verse 18. Now in the morning as he returned to the city, he was hungry. He was hungry. The scripture is in BK, Bible knowledge, just to say, who? You know, like, to who? <laughs> and all, where? And when? <laughs> who is this? Jesus Christ. So Jesus, the incarnate word, the one who eternally was, is, and will be God, and who came in the flesh. He was hungry. The word hungry 
applied to Jesus Christ is deep and it goes beyond a biological, physiological fact of the body craving to be filled. Few occasions, hunger and thirst are used to describe Jesus. In John's Gospel chapter 4, the scripture talks about Jesus at the well of the well that is called the well of Jacob, Jacob's well in Samaria. And a woman, a Samaritan woman came to fetch water. The disciples had gone, had gone to buy him food because he was hungry. He was weary of his journey. He was hungry. They, he, they went for food. But as the woman came, his hunger was satisfied. So the woman, give me water, give me a drink. <laughs> You a Jew, I a Samaritan woman, and you asked me for water, and Jesus took advantage of that. He said, well, if you knew the gift of God, of course, you would have asked me. If you knew the gift of God, and he that asked you for a drink, you should, you, then you would have asked for, asked for something. I would have given you life-giving water. From that moment, he began his work as a prophet, as a redeemer, as a savior, and he was satisfied. By the time the, the disciples came back, they saw him talking to a woman, a Samaritan woman. Implications here, talking to a woman and a Samaritan woman. You are too holy to have talked to a woman. So this man, you are too holy to have sat with a woman. Because the culture of that time saw woman, saw a woman as a personification of evil. And, and, and Paul said something in the scripture, it's a woman that fell. The woman that it's the fruit, not man. And when Paul said that, we have to put that in context and not preach it. Why? Because Paul was a Pharisee. And as a Pharisee, he was the overseer of the execution and implementation of this understanding of life that men and women should not be together and holding against the woman and every woman, whatever happened with Eve in the garden. And of course, you know, in Christ, the scripture says there is neither male nor female, neither Jew nor Gentile. And um, everyone is, 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 is in Christ. And it's is, is one in Christ. Everything is Christ. So coming to see Jesus, the disciples had this mental structure that gave no room for the Savior, this holy son of God, to have any form of close interaction with a woman. And this woman is not just woman. This woman also is a Samaritan woman. And the commentary in John chapter 4 at that spot is that for Jews had no dealings with the Samaritans. But Jesus Christ went on and on and on. And they began to wonder, could somebody else have brought him something else, something to eat? And they asked, Lord, come and eat. He said, no, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. So when the scripture says he was hungry, let's go back to that first scripture. Now in the morning as he returned to the city, can you read the next with me? One go. He was hungry. So you understand here that this is a, hung, a kind of hunger that serves as an opportunity for something. He was hungry, be, he was hungry for something beyond Amala and he will do, beyond Ekpang Yotong. And he was hungry beyond what you and I know to be traditionally useful when people are hungry. When God hungers, 
He hungers for salvation. He hungers for results. When the Savior hungers, he hungers for something deeper. It's very, it's very important. Let's move. Having understood that, let's push forward. He was hungry. Now, you take the word he was hungry, it will help us to explain everything that will happen next. He was hungry, and when we talk about hunger, it's intense longing for something. Longing that is not emotional. Because emotional longing can be distracted. When you long for something emotionally, you, you can psychologically get something else to distract you. When you are hungry, nothing distracts you. If you have a hungry child, distract that child now. Let's see how it works. So this is, this is a deep-seated passion that will not be distracted. And seeing a fig tree, the fig tree, the people of Israel, of course, agrarian people, everything was about the land. Everything was about agriculture. They talk about the cattle for the stall, provided them meat. They talked about olive and provided them with oil. Talked about vine, provided them for, with wine for celebration. Olive, oil for anointing and beautification and healing. Adornment. Then the cattle provided the meat for celebration and sustenance. Then the fig. The fig provided them with food. And the fig provided the fruit of the fig was like, you know, something we will eat rice or not rice, something that is like so fig was very important for the fruit that he brought. It was supposed to bring energy, instant relief. So the thick ear is very, very deep in symbolism. A thick tree, not any other tree. Jesus Christ was not looking for celebration. He will have gone to the wine. He was not looking for decoration and healing. He was not saying he will have gone to the olive. He was not looking for some kind of um, a feast. A feast of rich stuff. He will have gone to an animal, a cattle. A, a, a stuff that will work on force. He was looking for basic satisfaction. Basic, very basic energy. And he went to the thick. He came to it and found nothing on it but leaves. Now, when we talk about leaves, leaves on a tree, they give testimony about the condition of that tree. A tree in the desert will not have leaves. And if it has leaves, it will not be leaves that will attract attention. If you, are, if you travel to the northern part of Nigeria, the more you go towards Kano, everything changes. And things get drier and drier. Leaves become most scanty and scanty. By the time you get to Kano, and you are thinking about crossing the yard. You begin to see large, large, vast expanse without green, without leaves. You may see trees, but there are trees that just have branches. Some very ugly trees. They are not very beautiful at all. In no leaves. But this particular tree had leaves. That means a testimony to the fact of nourishment. 
that provision had been given. That the tree was well fed. Come on, come on, we are coming. Is somebody following me? Praise God, praise God. I've said a couple of things. And each of them is intentional to draw, to paint the picture for you to know why Jesus will react the way he reacted. Because in these days of grace, grace mixture, people will say, oh, that scripture, that was Satan. How will Jesus, how will God curse a tree? You see, people, people preach from myopia. Spiritual myopia. <laughs> I think myopia is short-sightedness. You cannot see beyond the letters into the depth of revelation. And they have a lot of following because a lot of people, when it comes to spirituality, a lot of people are myopic. That's general. And so myopia appeals to the myopic. I'm sorry. Just trying to explain something. But if you go deeper, you will, I'm just trying to let you see the, the, the graphic picture that attracts the response of Jesus. He found nothing on it but leaves. So the question is that how will you have nourishment? How will you have everything that should make you fruitful? And you have no fruits except just the testimony. I have been blessed. Leaves. So when we have office, when we are appointed, when we uh, I say I'm a professor and we go and do thanksgiving, professorship means leave. You have lived, you, you have been fed. Many people started with you, died, and didn't get to that point. Many people failed. You were not the most intelligent. You, favor has helped you. Health has helped you. Longevity has helped you. You have arrived at sleep. There is something else. Fruits. Opportunities that you have in life is a testimony that you carry leaves. But of course, opportunities are not equal to prosperity. Prosperity is the positive result of opportunities. Leaves. So let's talk about the leaves that you and I have had during the year. You are sitting down here because you have had the leaves of health. If you have any kind of ailment, not crippling. Otherwise, you will not sit here. There are so many people who love to be in church today. Just means of transportation. Being able to pay fare today. For them it's like traveling, traveling to India. Just to come to church. So you have the leaves of the provision enough for you to move yourself. These days of fear being more costly than almost the breath that we have to breathe. You drove your car down here. Some of you, you are, you are not the one directly fueling your car. It's just that your car is filled, leaves. Now, God is unyielding in searching for fruit wherever there are leaves. God is unyielding. God is intense. God is intentional. God is passionate. Now, when the word says he was hungry, now, this is intensity. Hunger is another word for intensity. God has intense passion, intense desire. The one who has crowned you with health, the one who has given you intelligence and ability to study and to graduate and to have moved from one place to another. The one who you have cheated, you have done all sort of wrong things and people's prayers have not killed you you are still carrying leaves 
your mates in the crime you have committed, they are in prison. And if you are not there, you are, you are walking free. These are leaves. And the point is this. God is passionately, intentionally, and intensely seeking for fruits. Because wherever there are leaves, there should be fruit. Leaves here meaning provision. All that is required for you to show up and to play the game of life. In ministry, I've been blessed with, with leaves. The way I talk, when people come to my churches, when I'm up here at the altar, I'm fighting till I'm going. Because we have to fight something. The only battle of life is battle against evil. Scripture says we are not wrestling against flesh and blood. So this is not about this man or that woman or this person or that person. We are wrestling against evil that uses a good man. Battling against wickedness that makes a man sit on the right of others. Battling against loss that makes a man rob a husband of the wife's, the wife's peace. And all other things. And all other things. God is the God of fruits. So did we land? Did we land? And, and said to it, ah, because he found nothing on it but leaves. Nothing on it but beauty. Beautiful, well manicured and pedicured. Beauty well painted and decorated. Beauty well, well statured and well fed. Old but fresh. Young and beautiful. Intelligent and educated. Excellent and opportuned. And he said to it, you have leaves. But I have found nothing else. Found nothing of benefit. Now before we talk about the, what Jesus said... For finding nothing, let's go back to the meaning of fruit. We have done these studies. The word that is translated fruit in the New Testament, of course, the New Testament was written in Greek. So every word should go to the Greek word and will give you, will give you opportunity to see bits and pieces of it to make it clearer. The word for fruit is karpos. Karpos. K-A-R-P-O-S. And it means, among other things, these basic things. Fruit means benefit. So when the scripture says, and he found nothing, take me back to the scripture, sir. When he said it, he found nothing, he found nothing on it. It means he found no benefit. The leaves had no benefit. And what is another thing? The media had captured this. Another thing for fruit. Another thing for fruit, descendant. So fruit is descendant. Descendant is what comes out of you. What descends from you. Everything being equal. Being a professor means you become an ancestor. You have descendants. I was honored to have been at your inaugural lectures. And that the woman that moderated and introduced you was your protege. Somebody that you became an ancestor to. A descendant. Amazing. In politics, descendant is not the fact that I anoint who will succeed me. Nonsense. Descendant is the benefit the nation or the state enjoys as a result of you. Here people want human descendants and tell all sort of lies. To have descendants and they don't care. They don't care about what effect 
It has in the polity and in the people. Nonsense. When we talk about fruit, is what has the state become? What has the nation become? Are our youths more hopeful because there have been a generation of leaders? What we have seen steadily is a decline in hope. Is a, is a, a height, a growing height of despondency. I am unfortunate to live in a generation that Nigerians are proud of disowning Nigeria. And we lose the best of our brains. And there are men who own the wealth of Nigeria to rule us and who do nothing about it. The most shameful thing for such people is that Nigerians are running away from their fatherland. What a shame. A shame on me that I'm alive in this generation. Men and women build abroad. We are the ones to build Nigeria. And we are the ones to hold our leaders accountable in little ways and in great ways. That's why when I preach, there's no way I can preach without insulting somebody. At least let me say something. What, what an insult and a reproach on a generation that I'm blessed to call my own. Because we have leaders who have myopia in everything except how much they amass and whom they want to anoint to succeed in their myopic vision. So wherever you are, God wants descendants. I expect descendants to come from this altar. That when I preach, there is a descendant who goes home as a husband and becomes a better man. That there is a young man who goes home and becomes a better person. That there's something that begets you from the preaching that turns things around and makes you fresh and new. That's the fruit that is expected of me. Not how many thousands sit to hear me. And how many nations that have my branches. God is the God who follows leaves. When he sees leaves, his hunger is to be satisfied. He's excited to see that there's somebody who is alive. The high cost of living has not killed you. The witches and wizards have not buried you. It means you still have green. You still have leaves. And while you live, you produce benefits. So the one who kept you fresh and green. And you produce descendants that others, because you are living a great life, there are great people inspired by your life. That fathers don't just have biological children. It's a generation where people have adopted children and have shameless faces to go in church and say, And everybody in that church does talk on who you will be. Because you just want to be a biological thing like a goat. Having descendants is not biological. Because there are so many people who have 15 children, 15 scorpions, and 15 pythons, and 15 arrows. Descendants has to do with the value that is imparted. So if you adopt a child and give that child a life that the child will not have had in the motherless babies' homes and orphanages, you are a great ancestor and you have descendants. 
You have descendants in every area of life. Where there are, there are leaves. There is hunger from heaven for benefits. God has interest in your life. God is a stakeholder in your office. And his stake is about your fruit. What do you do with the office? So this year, we have prayed prayers. Protection, security, prosperity, all sorts of things, longevity. By the grace of God, as we come to the end of the year, whether all these prayers have been answered or not, one thing that is sure is that there are leaves. And the master, well, we call him Lord. The word Lord means honor. And DNA. The feudal lords were the owners of properties. And they gave them to the vassals. Gave them to people to work. So when we say Jesus is Lord, is the honor of this life. And whether you accept him as such or not, the fact is this. You are somebody's property. If you are not, tell me when you were born. Tell me what you knew when you were in the womb. Tell, tell me what happened to you on the first day of your birth. Beyond what you were told, tell me when, the day you will die. And then tell me what will happen to you after you die. Then I will know you must be very, very great. But you have no, no memory of your two years, of your first year, of your first moment. You know nothing. So you are somebody's property. No matter what you serve, God sent me to remind you as we end the year, what leaves have you carried through the year and what harvest? Look at another word. Descendant harvest. So fruit is harvest. Harvest is the result of seed. You are God's seed. Your health is a seed from God. Your protection and security. You are not the most secure because you have mobile policemen or women going around with your DSS overseeing you. You are not most secure because you live in an estate. You are not most secure because they may fall. You are not most secure because you belong to a secret cult. People in your cult have killed each other. Our rival cultists have killed them. You are here today because there are leaves and God wants fruit. Fruit of repentance first. Profit. I love this. So God is a God of profit. Produce. Proceeds. So when we are looking for a business to produce results at the end of the year, you are God's business. I am God's business. And God is looking for fruit. Now, having heard that, let's move forward. And seeing a fig tree by the road, he came to it and found nothing on it but leaves and said to it, let no fruit grow on you ever again. Immediately, the fig tree ceased to exist because the fig tree had no purpose. The purpose of leaves is fruit. The purpose of life is impact. Righteous kingdom impact. In the mind of God. The point is that the fig tree had something. You have no reason to live. You are a wasted project. Your leaves give me nothing. I have benefited nothing of it from you. So your finances, what has it benefited God? Your health, what has it benefited God? Your office, what has it benefited God? Your marriage, you're raising children. You're being talented. You're being gifted. You're living long. You're surviving sickness. 
your surviving disease, whatever it is, what has it benefited the king, the kingdom? What benefits? What benefits? Say, so let no fruit grow on you ever again. Immediately, 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 the fig tree withered away. You're going to rise on your feet. I'm not permitted to go beyond that. I told you I, did, I could, not give, could not give a theme to this. It defied all the theme. For media, call it a bad day for a green tree. Just call it that way so that you have something to reflect. The media, the message is a bad day for a green tree. A green tree shouldn't have a bad day, right? A living person shouldn't have bad luck. Bad luck is not having an accident. Bad luck is living without having fruits for God. Without benefiting God. So when you ask God, and God will say, wait a second, why should you live for another day? Wait a second. Wait a second. I become to me now. So God has interest. And you dare not think that God is not interested. Your life is God's business on earth. God has no interest in the mountains. God has no interest in the snows. We are talking about climate and global warming. God's interest is in humans, in the midst of the warming. Because humans are responsible for all of this. And God says, if you get humans, the mountains will be meaningful. If you get humans, the thunders will be symphonous. If you get humans, the waves will rise in unison. Get humans. Because he said, let us make man in our image and likeness. Mountains are not his image. You are. You are his business. You dare not sit down and think you have a life that God should not intrude. And sometimes when the pastor preaches, you say, stay on your lane. And then we both again dumb for. Those who died in miscarriage, who are their wives and their husbands and their children? Who told you you were luckier than them? It's just because he spared you with leaves so that your marriage can inspire your children to have marriage. And this is the, the age that marriage has become non-existent. We are confused about common, common denominator of humanity. We are not longer talking about marriage. We are talking about partnership. He's my partner. Means no commitment. That means humans have divorced themselves from the basic things of commitment. And if God were not to be committed to us, he had told us of the love of God committed. The image of God is that we are committed. Marriage is not partnership, it's commitment. It's not something we just say, my partner, and like a law, a law firm, where partners can go their separate ways any day they like. It's a commitment of life that brings about sacrifice, endurance, and let your life inspire somebody. Be, be an ancestor. Rise to your feet, Sam. Rise to your feet, man. Sorry, I will apologize after all of this. Because it looks like a lot of people are naked in this church. 
As I close my eyes, there are naked people everywhere. Naked, fruitful people without and nothing other than that they live. God is saying, I will not say no one will find fruit because that's not the business for you. And I will tell you why. Next week I will tell you why. So today we are not concluding with how the gospel ends. We are concluding with being an ambassador. Speaking in the word of God that you will be reconciled to God. So while you go back to the office tomorrow and looking for every additional thing you will take home and cutting from everywhere and doing everything to take home, just know that your, your fruit is not what you eat. An apple tree does not eat its fruit. Papa does not eat its fruit. Only we humans eat our fruit maker manata. That in the office, every fruit that others should benefit from because fruit blesses only the other. Sir, your fruit does not bless you. It blesses others. So fruitfulness is how you have become a blessing to others. So as we end the year and there is a madness to eat your fruit. That in every area you should be helpful and blessing to another person. You eat and swallow. And if God should say, shall, nobody will eat fruit from, including you and it ends but it shall not end. Mercy. 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 And heaven is mourning. God is still hungry. If your life were to be the only food that will bring him satisfaction for creation, will you make him happy to spare the world for another day? Abraham told him, if, I, if you had 50 men, what of if you have 50? Will you still destroy? If he will depend on you for God to spare a generation, will God spare a generation? If he will just depend on you for God to spare your family line till Christ comes, will God spare? Please, if you can't close your eyes, don't be distracted. Tell God, yes, I have leaves, undeniable. Mention areas you have leaves. I was sick and I recovered. I'm here. I went to school. I had a job. I'm here. I finished school. I've not yet had a job. I'm here. Those who began with me, some were buried as students. I'm not yet in school, but I'm here. Many people were born without capacity to study. I'm serving somebody as a driver, as a house girl, but I'm here. That is live. If you were born without hands or born with autistic condition and crippled, you will be nobody's house help. No matter your situation and your condition, there are leaves. And the master is hungry. It's just hungry. Just hungry. It's hungry. It's hungry. It's hungry. The master is hungry. The master is hungry. The master is hungry. On an acceptable day, I hate you. And today is the acceptable day. 
everyone who truly turns to him for mercy his mercies are new even today no matter how wasteful and prodigal we have been his mercies today new if somebody can just turn their heart to him just call that name Jesus Jesus means God will save Jesus is a promise and God keeps his promise Jesus is a promise that God will save so calling Jesus is challenging the faithfulness of God calling Jesus in repentance calling Jesus for forgiveness for another chance is the, the provocation and the invocation of God's faithfulness and God says, yes, this is the acceptable day. This is the day of salvation. Lord, save a man who turns to you. Nothing is too dark to be forgiven. No life is too waste to be turned around. Show mercy to a woman who turns to you. Show mercy to a young girl, a young man, who just realized the life of this year had been a wasted year green but no fruit no benefit to your kingdom lives that do not honor you show mercy to men and women in immorality show mercy to men and women in sitting on people's rights and eating people's fingers eating away the life of those they are supposed to oversee and supervise. Spare me and all ministers who sometimes have to deal in favor of human favor and human kindness and goodness and compromising on the message of your truth. Show mercy. So show mercy to men and women in marriage who daily model to their children that marriage is a wasted project. Those who turn homes into hostile zones and war centers and their children caught in the crossfire. Please forgive and show mercy to lecturers who destroy the very lives of those they are supposed to build in knowledge. Please show mercy to those who use their offices to keep people as sex slaves for promotion and in furtherance of their career. Please show mercy. Show mercy upon us who have privilege, but use the privilege to build ourselves and ourselves alone and do not give fruit to benefit others. Please show mercy for selfishness. For reducing everything into our pocket and making the world as big as our desires. Show mercy. Show mercy to the church. We have a compromising church, a church that no longer has a voice, a voice that a church that can be bought and sold and paid for and silenced. Please show mercy. Show mercy. Show mercy. Show mercy in the political arena. Let hope come back to the young in Nigeria. 
Let pride return to being a Nigerian. Please, show mercy. Can you just lift up your two hands? Just call God's mercy upon yourself and upon your family. Say, Lord, spare me for another year. Please spare me. Spare my children. Spare my future. Please, Lord, spare me. Spare me. Spare me. Spare me. Spare me not because of me. Spare me for your namesake. Spare our leaders, our political leaders. Let there be a turnaround. Race be men and women who will make a difference at the national level. Visit Tunubu. Visit all those in that national leadership. Lord, their success is the success of Nigeria. Visit this state and the leadership of this state. Because the success of the leadership of this state is a success of the poor people who roam the street. More and more people are getting insane. We have more mad people, new numbers, new members of the community of insane people on our streets every additional day because of frustration. Depression now reaches children. There are more young depressed people than elders. Hopelessness. Lord, show mercy. Show mercy because our young girls are turning into prostitution. Apps on phone turns young innocent girls into prostitutes. There are now male, male prostitutes, homosexual. Because of hopelessness, secret cult is currency. Because of hopelessness. People are looking for fraternity where they find community of care. Lord, show mercy. Show mercy upon families that are broken because parents don't care. Show mercy. Show mercy. Show mercy upon a man who says, show mercy. Lord, everyone who turns to you in this church today, Lord, show mercy. No matter what that person has done, no matter the history, Lord, your mercy is greater than our, our story. Your mercy is greater than our mess. All we need is mercy. Because your favor is in your mercy. Your goodness is in your mercy. Your healing is in your mercy. Lord, if you show us mercy, that is okay. Because we know your mercy will spare us. Your mercy will... Pro Just show us mercy. And then leave the rest for the administration of your mercy. And we shall be restored. We shall sing again and we shall dance again. Thank you, Father. God's servant Patrick Grace Henry is the president of Grace Family Commonwealth of Champions. Worship with us on Sunday by 9 a.m., Mondays at the fireplace by 6 a.m., and on Thursdays for Word, Spirit, Life, Encounter by 5 p.m. We are located at Kilometer 14, Wangiba Road, Ekampan Sukara Uyu, Akwaibum State.